Hey everyone, I want to thank you so much for your time and energy listening to the Emotional Optimism Podcast. I hope it brings you joy and a skipping your step every single time you listen. Today, I'm so excited for this podcast with my good friend, Mark Metry. He talks to us about social anxiety, how it's different from introversion, how it stopped him in his tracks, and how meditation has cleared the pathway for him to have a much more peaceful, productive, and happy life. I hope you enjoy it. I want to start and ask you, like, who, I don't know a lot about you pre- these last couple of years, these last few years, mm-hmm. we were on that. We were on a panel together too. That's right. At, yeah, at, we that was were, awesome. Yeah, yeah I know. <laughs> um, but like, who, as a kid, as a, as a five-year-old, like, who who was Mark? Yeah, it's interesting. So, <laughs> five-year-old. So you know, for me, you know, when I look back at my life, and especially like when I was five. My parents had my bear, my parents had come to America basically about a year before I was born from Egypt, um, and uh, and so like I just like remember just like very simple times, just like very like a very simple childhood. Like I remember moving around a lot to different apartment buildings, collecting things, like always being interested in like animals. Um, had I think I had Legos or not Legos, but um just like different toys. You know, I think I was just like a normal, normal five-year-old kid. Um I didn't I, you know I didn't think much of it. And like when I look at the photos of me now when I was five, it's like so funny because it's like it would be me sleeping on like a mattress on the floor with me and my sister. And there would just be like different stuffed animals. And so it's just, you know, it brings back like sim- very, very simple, like very great times. Yeah, I, I love that. One of the things that you said um, in one of your recent TikToks actually was like, you thought of yourself as feeling behind, like you felt behind. And, and like, when did that enter your consciousness? When do you remember being like, whoa, I'm behind, I'm not getting this? Or were you, did you compare yourself to someone or others? How did that get into your consciousness? Yeah, that's a great, great question. Um, I, and I, I've been thinking about this a lot more. And I think for me, what I've really learned is like, ever since maybe about like, uh, like 10, 11 years old, um, now knowing what I know, I learned that that was the beginning of me experiencing uh, like social anxiety. And I think as a result of that, and then being like 18 years old and uh, just like getting not so great grades at school, um, not being like a very social person, not having a lot of friends, not being athletic, uh, like never playing sports, never like being academic or musical or sort of like any of these things. And so I just... uh, I just like had a very low sense of self-esteem as a result of that. Uh, almost no confidence. I couldn't even talk to people. Um, and so I think through the process of getting out of that, I I just like started to realize because it, it kind of felt like I was stuck in time and then everyone else was just like living their own life. Um, and so I think as a result of that, I just got to this point where I was like, I just I, like, I need to stop. I need to stop waiting. Um, and so I just started to like, you know, do the things that I always wanted to do, but I was like waiting for someone else to do it for me or, um, you know, it's, it's a long story, but it was just like always me compa- like comparing myself to people, uh, me not really doing much in my own life. Me, not, you know, me experiencing like anxiety and depression at the time and not knowing, um, it was all of those things. And then now, I think how my perspective shifted from that is, I mean, this is going to sound crazy, but I think now I've understood that like the time is a very real thing. It's very real, but the way that we perceive time is something that isn't necessarily as black and white as, as often as we'd like it to be. 
And I feel like for me, ever since I have like learned different things on how to manage my mind, like for example, meditation, I feel like I have changed my perception of time to where I no longer really think that. Um, but, but like those level of thoughts, they're, they're like always existing. Like in my mind, it's like a different, it's like a different radio channel. So most of the time I try to tune into like the, the different frequency, you know, but sometimes, you know, it's always there. And so it's, it's huge. And I want to talk about this more and I'm trying to figure out more how to talk about it because so many people, especially a lot of people that like I work with who also experience social anxiety, they, they tell me the same thing. Um, and it's like a result of, you know, placing different limitations on your life and then seeing years go by and then saying like, wow, I, I was never really able to be myself. Um, and then it's also like that inner judgment that is just like built in for a lot of people that's just always like comparing yourself to other people. And it's like, even if you're the most successful, you'll still think that you're, you know what I mean? And so it, it's very interesting, but that's the way that I try to think about that. Yeah. I mean, there's so much right there that you just shared. I think what I'm, what I take away and I want to, and I want, and I want to double click into meditation in a second. What I take away is you've really been able to harness something to change for the most part, the self-talk that you may have had or that you may have, uh, and, and really like really just get onto a different frequency in a way, like, like, you know, how you just change the channel, you know, in my day, I, in a car, you still have the radio channel in your day. It's a little bit different. Right. But like you could change the channel and you'd be like, Oh, it comes in much clearer over here. Mm. You know, um, before we get into meditation, cause I, I, I really, you talk a lot about it and I think it's really important to see, I'd love to get your take on it and why it's so, uh, useful to you. A question I have is what, what, if anything, is the difference between an introvert and someone that is experiencing social anxiety? Yes. Oh or my God. There? Yes. I love yeah. this question. Yeah. Yeah. There's a huge difference. So, so like when you look at the, like the psychology definition of what it means to be an introvert, basically what it means is like your brain, just the way that it's made, it just has a, uh, an, an inclination to just think like more internally, to be more introspective. And then in turn, like the way that you perceive the world and how you act in the world is a little different um, in terms, of especially like how you, how you gain your energy and just what your mind is naturally more open to. And like, what's the recurring theme? Whereas, um, you know, if you're an extrovert, it's like the opposite where it's like a lot of times your mind um, it's just more naturally inclined to just be more mindful of like the physical external environment people. Um, and so when it comes to social anxiety, it's totally different because, you know, some, some people like the average person may experience moments of so, you know, being socially anxious, you know, um, and same with like being shy, but basically social anxiety, I think it affects like, um, like I think five, 10% of the population. Basically it's like, oftentimes it starts when you're nine, 10, 11 years old. Um, and a lot of people don't, are not conscious of this. I wasn't conscious, but basically it's a moment where um, your, your brain basically breaks. <laughs> and so, for example, for me, it happened as a result of like, you know, I went from living in like an inner city to moving to a small town with like 5,000 people and basically being like the only kid who wasn't white in the entire town and then started to face racism. Nobody around me looked like me. I started to face these other health issues, these autoimmune issues. Um, and so now what we know, it's like a lot of the times around the ages of 9, 10, 11, you know, someone has like some sort of a, an experience that just like, like triggers them and traumatizes them to a point where, um, like the hardware in their brain is just damaged. And, and it's, and I don't mean to say that the person is damaged. What I'm saying is like, so if you break your leg, right. And all of a sudden, you know, you're going to feel a lot of pain. You go to the doctor, the doctor's like, Hey, you know, we're going to put you in this cast, we're going to give you crutches, and then come back in like a month, and we'll give you a different kind of cast, you know, and then after three months, you're out. 
And so a lot of the times what I've learned, like with mental health, it works the same way. And so a lot of the times, like there's a part of your brain that is seriously suffering as a, like a wider result of different issues. And what happens is you have to do the same thing. You got to put yourself in the crutch and the cast. But a lot of times nobody, that doesn't really happen with mental health, especially because we can't see it. And so for me, I remember being nine, 10, 11 and all these things happening. And it's almost like what begins to happen is it's like you're on the, it's like you're on the path to like just living your life and growing as a person and like learning about yourself, your personality, your values, all these things. And then it's like all of a sudden, like an emergency happens. And then there's like this like new software that like comes in your brain and it tries to like adjust and it tries to like act as like a defense mechanism. And it's almost like it almost makes you into a different person past the point to where it's past, it's past like free will. You know, I remember like when I was growing up, people would tell me like, oh, just speak up or just be more confident or just be yourself. And I'd be like, if you're like, if you're like, if your mind is like already has like this virus inside of it, um, then it's going to be very hard to even know who you are if you have been so far removed. And so, yeah, it's like a very serious problem. And, and oftentimes like what happened for me was by the time I was 18, I reached this level where like my brain was, was, was too, too damaged. And next thing I knew I became uh, pretty overweight. Um, my lifelong social anxiety turned into like social isolation. I just like stopped seeing people, talking to people, got very depressed for the first time. And then I was actually like suicidal for like a period of about a month. And then when you look at the statistics, for example, you know, like I know Harvard did this uh, like meta-analysis study where they showed that social anxiety out of many other, um, out of many other of the mental health issues, it's one of the ones that is highest correlated with uh, social isolation and suicide. And I was like, wait, that's exactly what happened to me. Um, and so, I mean, I don't even know what your question was, but I think that's the difference between being an introvert, which is like your brain is just kind of operating more inwardly where social anxiety, it's, um, it has the potential to like really mess up with your brain. And, and, and a lot a lot of the times too, the last thing I'll say is like, uh, it, it, this issue is invisible because a lot of the times it's under the disguise of like, oh, you're just shy or, oh, you're just being an introvert or it's like alcohol always mm -hmm. at the bar or it's social isolation, doesn't have friends. And so it's very dangerous. I'm trying to talk more about it because I'm, you know, I thank God every day that I, you know, I'm lucky and I didn't become a statistic, but I know that there's other young marks out there who are like literally in the same path. And it's very dangerous. I'm so glad we talked about it and you and you actually explained it because I needed to know the difference. And I think a lot of people need to know the difference between being shy and from for example, like I am probably more introverted and extroverted. People don't know that because they see me in the public, right? I've had this much and by this much an inch of probably social anxiety in my life, which is very different than what you said. Like, I don't like to go to networking events. I get real anxious. I don't like to talk to people like that. I don't feel comfortable. I don't know what to say, but you catch me here, you catch me at work and you're like, Claude talks all the time. <laughs> yeah. And that's very different than what you've described, which is a real loneliness, a real, uh, something is broken and, and my heart and my heart goes out and my heart doesn't break. My heart is sad for people that experience that. And as you said, either become statistics or don't know their, their family doesn't know what's going on. So they're just like, what's up with Ralph? You know, what's up with Rachel? Like, you know, I'm, yeah. So I'm, I'm really glad you're talking about it and you have such, you've had such a great platform to have these conversations I'm just, I don't know. I'm just so glad to know you and love your vulnerability and courage and even knocking on that door of yourself and being like, this is who I am. This is what I've been dealing with. And I don't know. I just want to say that for the record, because I love who you are and I'm glad you're, and I'm glad you're not a statistic. I'm glad you're here. It's really important. Thank you. It's Thank really, you, really glad. important. Yeah. Thank, Thank you. you so much. I appreciate you. Yeah, likewise. So where did meditation come to you? 
Mm. And, and you know, you obviously have amassed some tools to deal with to deal with what some of the mental health issues that you talked about. How did that come? And what are the other tools that you yeah. carry every day in your pocket? Yeah. So I think meditation is so important to talk about because I remember for me, I thought that meditation was something that was either like super like spiritual or religious or like monks did it or if you could you were, you only did it if you were like a hippie or like some some kind of like crazy kind of generalization stereotype um and the reason why it's so important is because i think meditation is like and it, and i think especially too like i think you know one of the things that sticks out about meditation is that it's one of those things that has been done for thousands of years and it's also like very much backed by a lot of like science. Like for example, I know Stanford did a study where they took people who had social anxiety and they basically found that meditation was equally, if not more powerful than, um, what was it? They said like therapy and, and, and different things like that. And so, yeah, I mean, it's a huge tool. And, and the reason why is because it actually shows you like firsthand that you have voices in your head and you have thoughts. And, and that's so important because like when you're, when you're in the state where um, like sort of a state to where I described, like when I was a kid and like I said, that my brain, you know, had issues. Um, your brain is just like feeding you information. And when it's feeding you information and, and you never question that you think that that's you. And so what happens is whatever, like whatever your brain says, you do it and, and you don't really have a choice. And for me, when I started to meditate, it basically like showed me in my experience, firsthand experience that there were different voices and thoughts in my head. And I don't mean like all of a sudden you just start hearing voices yes. not like that, <laughs> but it's like you become aware of your thoughts. And when that begins to happen, it also begins to shift the way that you look, that you think about yourself. Because I know, for, like, I know you've said this so many times, and I'm glad you say it, but you say something like, if there's a voice in your head that says something mean or negative about you, that's not your voice. And I remember for me, when I started meditating, I would, you know, sit there in silence. And then I remember, you know, like, I would get a different thought that I would say, like, I don't know, like, I'm a loser. Or, you suck. Or, <laughs> you 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 suck or like you know you can't go anywhere because people hate you and you you know you don't belong anywhere in society and different things like that. And when you start meditating, it may not happen right away, but when you start meditating, you start to like differentiate yourself from that thought, and then you start to be like, "Wait, what is it? Like, who said? Like, what is that doing?" And 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 it's like you get like a completely different perspective on yourself. And and I know for me, like one of the biggest things that I've learned, which I think meditation leads you to is this concept of like meta separation which if you have like experienced a life of like like anxiety social anxiety like i have this is definitely very useful where it's like basically understanding that your experience of life is in what you see uh what you hear how you feel what you think how you feel um that is basically split in, split in two one half is like the real you, like your conscious mind. And then the other half is sort of like this automatic brain that has been corrupted due to like a decade of, um, you know, like mental health issues and, and all sorts of things. And so it's, uh, I think it's especially super like interesting. And I know for me, this is what started me on my journey was like realizing that social anxiety was a real thing. And again, like this may not apply 100% to people listening, um, obviously, but like the ability to, when you're in a social situation or otherwise, the ability to, your brain is going to like shoot out something, a thought, a feeling, and like the ability to separate that and have this level of meta separation and be like, is that really me? Or is that just sort of like the my trillions of cells creating these feedback loops in my nervous system that are producing the same exact thought that I've probably had every day for the last 15 years. And, and it's being able to do that. And so I think like, that's really easy to say, 
like in like on a podcast, for example. Mm-hmm. But when you're in the moment, it's almost impossible to do that. And so meditation is one of those things that builds that muscle that like helps you almost like kind of slow down time and be able to make a decision. Mm-hmm. And then on top of that, just like making sure that your brain is healthy. Like I think, um, I think especially now, like I, I'm very young, I'm 23. I think the most important thing that my generation has really realized is that um, like when we talk about like the experience of someone's life, the quality of someone's life, and you talk about their experience, like how they feel, like going back to what do they see? That's ultimately a biological experience. And and again, I don't mean to get, you know, like too empirical um, or anything like that. But what I'm talking about is for me, when I started to realize or just like understand or learn a little bit more about uh, like neuroscience and how our brain operates, it completely changed my life because I went from someone who like literally every single day I would wake up depressed and anxious. I would like put myself in these social situations. I all of, like, I just wouldn't act the way that I would want to act. And then I would get depressed about it or I would get upset about it. Then my self-esteem, who I was, my character would sort of go down. And then, um, you know, really what would happen is like every single time that happened, I just like, wow, Mark, you can't do this. Wow, Mark, there's something wrong with you. Wow, Mark, um, you know, like you're just always going to end up being this way. Oh, Mark, people don't like you. And so if I could have realized that like that was partly a biological experience that was occurring because of social anxiety, it would have completely changed my perspective on life because I would start to realize that it's not, like when you realize that it goes from like, it's you versus you, me versus me. So then it goes to like, you join the same team with yourself and you become like a true friend to yourself. And you're like, you know what? We need to like tackle this and go on this journey. And like, for me, when I realized that, it completely changed everything. And, and so like just realizing that social anxiety is a real thing. And then realizing that like our, like our life, our moment to moment experience is a biological experience. And if you have had, you know, different things, um, you know, in your past from, uh, you know, like just not like, you know, experiencing a, a trauma, uh, you know, experiencing different kinds of injuries, dealing things that you haven't dealt with, um, having sleeping problems, having um, other health problems, uh, weight issues, a lot of this stuff is interconnected. Um, and so a lot of the times, if you're like that, then I think you can dig down and like, you know, truly just get the information. And, and I mean, this is so important because when you look at just mental health in general and like how humans used to talk about it, and even today, mental health used to like not be a real thing like 25 years ago, even probably less than that. And so just gaining these new awareness and perspectives, I think is really, really helpful. And so I think just taking care of your brain yeah. first and foremost is super, super important because if you take care of your brain, it will let you have your mind back. And there's a lot of people out there who have like their minds held in captivity by an unhealthy brain as a result of all kinds of life issues. And so I think that's the biggest thing that I've learned. That's so huge. One of the things that you said that you see me scribbling things down, you know, when you, you said, you know, so you become, you, you get to a place where you can be on the same team rather than you versus you, you can befriend yourself, which was like, as soon as you said that, I almost got tears in my eyes because I was like, yeah, like that's it. And you're learning this at 23. Some people are learning this at 85, 55. Some people don't learn it. Some people learn it at 10, whatever. Yeah. But like when we're able to do that, and I think it's an ebb and flow. I don't think it's every day, right? I think... Every minute of every day, we're challenged by something internally or externally. But to become a friend to yourself and to offer yourself that kind of compassion, kindness, tenderness, you know, is like, it's such, it's, it's such a necessary gift. It's not just a, it's just not like a Hanukkah, Christmas, Kwanzaa gift. It's a necessary life gift. Everyone deserves, you know? Yeah. So what, um, so. In terms of the way you came to meditation, did you read about it? People talked about it. Is there is there a kind of meditation to do? Do you listen to an app, or do you just 
you know, now you've been doing it for a while. So what's your, if you, would you mind sharing a little yeah. of your, the path to like. Yeah, I'll tell you the path. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Yeah. So it was 2016 and it was, uh, it was Halloween and I go out to a party <laughs> with my friends and I remember, um, you know, getting, getting really hammered getting, getting really drunk. <laughs> and I remember waking up the next day and I remember, uh, my friends and I, we had signed up, uh, to go on the school trip to six flags. And so I wake up the next day, I'm basically like hung over and, and we're like, Oh crap, we got to go. And so I remember like running down, uh, you know, getting the bus, like just on time on our way to six flags. And I remember it was like an hour and a half drive. It was like two hours. And so I'm like, I feel like crap. I'm like, what am I going to do for two hours? I think both of my friends were like asleep. I didn't really feel like sleeping for whatever reason. And so I remember I just like had like this voice in the back of my head that was like, Hey, like, you know, like every article that you read of like how to get better tells you to meditate, uh, Oprah meditates, LeBron James meditates. It's like, I had like all like this information that I had read, but I had never taken action on it. Um, and so I was just like, you know what, screw it. And then, so I went to the app store. I searched meditation. I downloaded Headspace, um, which is like, I think the biggest meditation app next seconds, like calm. Um, and I meditated and I remember the most interesting part about it was like, when I finished, I remember it wasn't actually that difficult. Um, like as I, as I had thought it would be. Um, and I remember it was like 15 minutes and then I woke up after the meditation and it, uh, I don't know to say like that it worked, but I just like felt, I just felt a little bit lighter. And I remember, uh, you know, then going to like six flags with my friends. And then I remember we met up with another friend of mine and he had brought like his girlfriend and then she had brought like other people that I didn't know. And so like my social anxiety started to like, you know, trigger a little bit. And I remember, I just had like a different perspective. Like I just had like a, like a, like I didn't have to think about it. I just had a built in different perspective to where, like, I remember when I first saw them instead of like, all of a sudden my mind just like backfires, like, Oh my God, what am I going to say? What am I going to say? I was just like, you know what? Just like, I'm just enjoying myself here. And I'm, you know, if I'm going to meet these people, I'm going to meet them. And so I remember I just like was a little bit more confident, but now after experiencing like that first day of meditation, now, like knowing what I know, that actually kind of set me up for, for not so great times later, because I remember the second day doing it and it was much more difficult. And then I woke up and I was like, well, this was terrible. Like, I feel worse. <laughs> um, and, and really what happened was like, I just forced myself to do it for like two weeks. And I remember at that time, Claude, after two weeks, I don't know how to describe it, but it, it, it kind of felt like my life was falling apart. I don't know how to describe it. <laughs> And, and, and it wasn't necessarily like things on the outside, let's not like things externally were happening, but just felt internally. And it was very weird. Like, I don't know how else to describe it. I wouldn't say it was good or bad. It's just very weird. And then now, like after I've taken like different meditation courses, I've talked to different like meditation experts. Um, and I've talked to them about that of like, I felt terrible the first two weeks. Like I felt my life was falling apart. And they told me uh, it's this thing called the highlighter effect. And so basically what it is, is that like your brain has normalized so much crap that you have been putting up with either with yourself or your life or with other people. And when you begin to meditate and you begin to uh, become more present and you begin to experience life for how it actually is, what begins to happen is your mind is going to start to automatically highlight these things that are like, hey, Mark, should this really be in your life? Hey, Mark, is this really the best thing for you? And so it felt like my life was falling apart. And really what it was, it was just like, I used to be so reliant and, um, and just like dependent on these different things in life to, to give me certain, you know, things. So like, whether it was, getting like hammered and, and like drinking alcohol every night so that my social anxiety could go away and I could just shut off my brain or, you know, whether it was just like sitting down, you know, by myself on like a Saturday night and just like playing video games and just like binge eating junk food and like energy drinks. 
And, and it's just like asking yourself these certain questions. And so what happens is like when you start to do those things and then now you've been meditating, you have a different perspective. Now it's like going back to um, just like the different selves that we have you start to like, be like, you start to question your decisions and you start to be mm -hmm. like, huh, should I really, like, is this really the best thing um, that I should be doing based on my goals, based on who I am, based on my purpose, based on where I want to go in life? And so when you go through that, it's very stressful. Uh, it, it's a lot of change, you know? And so uh, it, it's crazy. And so I think a lot of the times like meditation gets put in this bucket of like, oh, it's to relieve your stress. Oh, it's to calm down, which I think it could but I have a very different perspective on meditation. Like meditation is, 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 is brutal. You know, I think a lot of the times, like I've been meditating almost every day for the last, uh, like ever since 2016. Um, at the beginning of this year, I took a break from it, uh, which was a terrible idea. I don't think it was a good idea and overall, but um, for me, I view it as like a way to like rewire your brain. Like for yeah. me, I view it as a way to like, that other side of you, that's just like the automatic brain that's running in default. It's a way to begin to like rewire that. And, and, um, and yeah, and so I, I love meditation and I think that any, anything that anybody does is the best medicine for them. You know, like I remember I was talking to a meditation teach, uh, expert and I was talking, I was saying like, Hey, people, like a lot of different people will say, Oh, well, when I go for a walk or when I run or when I do the dishes, I'm meditating. Um, and that's definitely true to a degree. Um, and again, like people should do whatever they want. I don't want to force anything, but also like, I personally believe that there is no substitute to actually like sitting down and closing your eyes and meditating, um, in terms of like the, the, like the benefits that it has to rewiring your mind. And like, the reason why is because when you sit down and you close your eyes, that's like the only time where you disconnect from the external environment. And we put all kinds of meanings between our internal world to the external world, meanings, values. And a lot of those are great, but I think a lot of those, um, for some of us are incorrect. Um, the different meanings that we have, whether it's like, you know, you, you're a kid and let's just say your parents weren't that affectionate towards you. But then all of a sudden, like once you got really good at soccer, your dad started to like pay attention to you and love you. And then next thing you know, you start to realize like, oh, I have this connection in my head of like internally where if I can perform and I can kind of compete and do this and just bleed and like don't care about myself, then I can get the validation and love from X, Y, and Z. And so when you meditate, especially when you sit down and like formally meditate, I think that's a huge moment to where your brain and your mind start to like understand that. And again, it's, it's so hard. Like as someone who listens to so many podcasts, reads so many books, uh, reads so many articles, like sometimes it's too much information. I think meditation is one of those things where I just, I keep going back to it as like a solid, uh, because it's like one of those things that actually works. It's very difficult though. Yeah. Yeah, sure. I mean, gosh, so many, again, so many great things. I love the fact that you're like, hey, no harm, no foul. If you want to wash dishes and do it, you want to run and do it, like whatever works for the person. Yeah. I, I love what you said, though, in terms of like when you close your eyes, it's the only real time that there is no stimulation, stimulus in front of you. It's the watching of the thoughts that's happening or the, you know, all the noise as you talked about. We all have you know, voices I got in my head. It's like crazy when you watch, you're like, wait a second, I was just on that thought, but now I'm here and I ping-ponged over here and like, wait, it's only been 30 seconds, you know, or something like that. But that idea of, again, coming back to yourself and becoming your own friend is, I think, just another, I don't know, I just correlate this idea of becoming a friend to yourself, as you said a few minutes ago to giving yourself the time to meditate, even as freaking hard as it is. And uh, yeah. th this has nothing to do with meditation, but, but yeah. I, I was thinking about, while you were talking, I was thinking about, um, you know, we do know how to take care of ourselves. It's whether or not we choose to take care of ourselves. And 
and no one, absolutely no one can do it for us. And, and so I was thinking yeah. about, you know, uh, someone that might be an, a- an addict or an alcoholic and like that person, after they experience whether or not it's rehab, not drinking, going to 12-step meetings, whatever, and then they go back and take that drink or do that drug, you know, you know how much better you felt without doing it. The, the voices in your head are already there of like, you know, hey, oh, what am I, what am I doing here? This is a wrong way. I'm taking a wrong, I'm taking a wrong turn down a bad alley, but you do it anyway, you know, and then you do it and you hate yourself. Yeah. As, again, it's, I was correlating a little bit of what you said in terms of like, we know how to take care of ourselves. It's up to us to do it. And sometimes you know, you said, look, I, I chose not to meditate in the beginning of the year and it really didn't work out well. Of course, like you learn something from it, but you have, you have, you know that the best way for Mark to be Mark every single day is to take care of yourself in that way and probably 12 other ways. But yeah, yeah. I, I mean, thank you for sharing that. And, uh, and yeah, I mean, I, I honestly, I, uh, it's, um, you know, my, my heart goes out to, you know, you know, all kinds of people who have all kinds of issues, but, you know, personally for me, like I have never faced, um, thank God, like a real serious, like addiction to where, um, you know, and so I always say people should, you know, get professional help for that. Uh, because I think asking for help, um, and, and like just realizing that there are resources out there, like, yeah, I agree with you. No, one's going to do the work for you. But it's like when you can go from your just like individual isolated perspective and then, you know, the the news that you watch, whatever your friends and family say, whatever their beliefs are from where you come from. And then you begin to like look out there in the world and you begin to understand that like there are hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people who are dedicated to like making this stuff uh, in terms of addiction, emotions, there are thoughts into making this stuff into like a real like quantifiable science. And, and I don't, I don't ever think that we'll ever be able to like fully, you know, science and, and quantify the human body. You know, I think there's things that are past that. But the reason why I say that is because like, you just like go through life and, and I, and I agree with you. I think we definitely know how to help ourselves, but you go through life and it's like, there, there are other potential like guides and, and like instruction manuals that, yeah, they may not give you the full picture, but they'll give you like, Hey, here's step one, here's step two, here's step three. Um, and then a lot of the great ones too, you know, will give you that, uh, like awareness of like, this is a totally personal thing. Not everything will work for you, but there are like other, other things out there. Right. And so for me, like when I was at my low point and I was suicidal, I had no idea what was happening. Like I literally had no idea. I felt like my brain was broken the most at that stage. Um, and for me, it's like when I discovered Tim Ferriss's podcast episode, where he talked about when he was suicidal in college, it's like all of a sudden my brain is like, oh, wait, there's someone out there who exists. They may not be in the same position, but they're, they may be similar to me. And like they're, they exist out there today and like they're doing great things despite their issues. And so I think a big part of it is like giving people hope, right? And I think you do that through, if you can't do that with your own life experiences, you have to do that through the stories of, of other people of like, you know, when I learned Tim Ferriss or like, for me, I remember like not being good at school or not being good at any of these things, but I always remember being very entrepreneurial. And I remember sitting in my dorm room on Facebook and then coming across this dude named Gary V. And he talks about this thing being called being an entrepreneur. And I remember Googling and I'm like, wait, oh, that's a real thing. And then all of a sudden it's like, wow. And it gives you like a path out. And so again, it's not, it's not everything. And then I think the other part too is like, I think it's having like a very realistic viewpoint of like, your life will get better for sure. Like my life has exponentially gotten better um, in terms of like true success. But it's also like realizing the, just like the reality of, of like human existence and nature. And that is, is that we are constantly trapped in 
this like mind that is very expansive and open, but is trapped within this like finite body in our biological brain that has many, many limitations, that has many, many different kind of uh, like survival loops that basically are going to chronically put us in a state to where like we're not comfortable. And like, that's just life. And so I know for me, it's like, if I wake up tomorrow and I have $60 billion in my bank account. I, you know, I don't know. I have, I have Elon Musk and Gary Vee calling me. Everyone in my family is happy and healthy. I have a, you know, great, you know, friendships, relationships. I have a great company. I'm doing purposeful work. All those things are great, but like my mind, my brain is still going to be there. And so I say that because I think a lot of the times we build this expectation at some subconscious level that, I mean, I don't know. I'm still trying to figure out how to escape from it. It always comes back. And it's like, Oh, if I do this or if I do that, or if like if I just avoid this, then everything will be okay. And then the next morning it's like, oh crap, this is existence. And so I think it's it's realizing it's like, hey, life is is like 24 hours. It's what you do in your 24 hours. You don't have to do everything in, in all those 24 hours. You're gonna have good 24 hours, you're gonna have you know, not so great 24 hours. But it's just like realizing that like life is inherently this experience that we perceive. And within that experience of life that we perceive, there's always going to be issues. There's always going to be a part that's suffering. There's always going to be an issue. Because if, the reality is, is that if you remove that, you wouldn't get access to uh, the the highest amounts of love and like things that make life beautiful and vibrant. And so I, you know, I say that because obviously if you're suffering and you know, you have addiction, you have mental health, obviously like, go get go get help. There's an entire world out there that is like willing to help you and, and open if you are. Um, but then also understand that, you know, life is sort of broken up in these chunks of 24 hours. And like, I know for me, like one of the biggest things that I had to realize was like, Hey Mark, like it doesn't matter how many times you meditate. It doesn't matter how many green juices you drink. It doesn't matter how many times you do yoga. It doesn't matter how many times you, you write down, you know, why you're grateful. And, I, and by the way, I say I don't matter. These things definitely do matter. I'm not trying to denote the importance of these things, but I'm just saying like, none of those things matter from the perspective of like creating this like fantasy imagination of like, everything is going to be perfect and I'm going to be fixed. And I'm, I'm not going to be, you know, I'm not going to be, uh, you know, facing any kind of issues whatsoever. I'm going to be facing zero. That just doesn't exist. And so I think it's kind of understanding both sides of the coin of like, have hope, look at people's stories, realize that there's literally a science that's being broken down into this that is is understanding more than we could ever understand ever before in human history that is giving people the personalized power to like understand how their bodies, their genetics, their brains work. And then also realize like the, the state of existence of like how life is broken up into 24-hour periods and and to like manage your expectations of life because it's like always a recurring story. And I think humans have always done that when, especially when we've been in very, very bad spots, you know, like, Hey, I just need to do this. I just need to get through this. And then, and then, and so it's like a mechanism that's happening. And so I know for me, that's like always like very overactive. And so I always have to manage it. I don't know about mm -hmm. other people, but. Yeah. <laughs> and I love it. I mean, a couple of things that you said that I thought were really, uh, that stood out to me was, you know, when you, um, first uh, landed on Tim Ferriss's podcast when he talked about um, becoming suicidal. And I, I listened to that same episode. I remember and it really wow. stopped me in my tracks because that's not what I expected. I had my own expectation, right? Of seeing someone who's very successful and, and uh, you know, writing these books on like how to become more successful internally. And, but, um, but what dawned on me is what we were taught, what you were really talking about was this idea of human connection. And especially when one is, uh, when one does isolate and one has social anxiety, the last thing that you are doing is wanting to connect with humans, right? It's yeah. wanting to build that, that muscle because it's just not existent. It just doesn't exist, right? For a zillion of reasons, a zillion reasons. But here you are today talking about connecting with the Tim Ferriss, connecting with the Gary, connecting with a all the people that you've, you have, you personally have managed to connect with via your podcast and beyond, that is the absolute opposite of who you were at 18, what you were doing. And human connection, you know, is a huge part of your toolkit, like, like, like it or not. 
So yeah, I, I just, for sure. you know, um, and I mean, you like it. I don't mean like it or not, like <laughs> you like it. Um, the other thing that was really interesting, and I had never thought about it like this, was breaking down your day into 24-hour increments. You know, into 20, it's just remembering that you have this chunk and this chunk and this chunk and this chunk, and you have all of the, hopefully, the, the support, the power, the energy, the friendships, the whatever you need to get through each and every minute of those 24 hours. And they are not all going to be rosy. They're just not. <laughs> some yeah. of them are going to suck hard. And some of them are going to be amazing. And one of the things you said also is like, without the valley, you don't ever know what the peak is like. You don't ever know what the view is like, the joy, the elation, the, oh my God, I did that. The happiness, the, if you don't go through the valley and it is, the suffering is part of existence. Yeah. It really is. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's just Love one that. of the, yeah. Well, you and I are like, you know, we're uh, <laughs> spirit animals of each other for sure. Yeah. I could, I could talk to you forever. I am, um, I wanted to ask you a question and as we wrap up, which is, it is actually kind of like the thought of putting the podcast on the shelf for a bit. And, you know, you've chosen to yeah. do a very, very successful podcast uh, and turn to other mediums. And, and can you share a little bit about uh, rationale there or reasoning? Yeah, for sure. You know, real quick, I just want to share. Uh, so last year during quarantine, I did uh, I did an episode that was similar to Tim Ferriss. I mean, it was my version. And it was the most downloaded episode I ever did. And then like, it's crazy because like now, um, like I'll get an email every once in a while of like a younger version of me. And it's like, <laughs> just a, you know, it's like just paying it forward and, and like the butterfly effect. And that's what makes life worth living. Um, and yeah, so for me, like, and the podcast and everything. So yeah, so I had started this podcast in 2017 and it was always kind of like generally speaking about on like it's shifted over the years from like entrepreneurship to like self-improvement to more kind of like mental health and you know really for me it was just like the person who i was in 2017 my values are still the same i still believe in roughly the same things but that person is not the same person who exists today and, 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 you know, really for me, um, I just like realized that there, like, there were just so many, there were just like so many different podcast episodes that I had done that I had just completely, like I had lost track of like, even, like even who, who I was even talking to and like what I was even talking about. And so I felt like it was one of those things where it's like, okay, well this just like totally blew up and became a thing of its own. That's great. Um, but it's like, that was chapter one. Yeah. Now let's get into, you know, chapter two, which I've discovered is like, um, you know, I've talked to all these people. I've heard so many people's stories. Um, I've read so many books and I, like, I, again, I, I'm just trying to go hard in this whole social anxiety, uh, like extreme shyness thing, because I've read a lot of the books out there on it. And honestly, I don't think anybody has even a close degree of like a, a path or an experience that I did that worked for me. Um, that I also can work for a lot of other people. And so for me, like I've decided to just go really hard. I, I like writing a lot. I wrote a, I wrote a book. Yeah, um, I, know. <laughs> I, I have a newsletter. I, I write on a weekly basis all the time. And so I've been trying to do that, do the podcast. And yeah, I mean, for me, like what I'm really trying to do is like, I'm trying to become the guy that uh, like the younger version of myself just knows that like I exist uh, and then the second thing is like, yeah. I want to be the guy that like, you know, I don't know, whoever like Google or Amazon hire to like teach their like super introverted, shy employees who may experience this, how to, how to, how to manage this and how to sort of get past it. Because I mean, the reality is, is that there are so many people who experience this, but the issue is, is that, you know, unless they have found a path that works for them. A lot of people just haven't really tried. It's like a very daunting journey. Um, they're just sort of figuring it out day by day. And, and that can be great. And that's how you learn about yourself. But also that's how, can, that's how you can develop a lot of um, like unhealthy coping mechanisms and, and things that you think are, 
are normal or healthy, but are actually damaging you in ways that you don't know. And so, and so, yeah, that's what I'm trying to go for. And, and so I will, I will still interview people. Like last week I did my first interview, uh, but I want them to be more discussions and I don't want to do as many of them. And if I do, I want them to be very, very, very purposeful based. And so uh, like I have an episode that's going to go out. It's all about nutrition and mental health and how that impacts your brain. And then I had on um, this guy, his name is Dr. Drew Ramsey to come, come on and then fill in and, and like, you know, give like his great information and, and stuff. And so, yeah, it's yeah. Been quite a change, but it's awesome. I'm so great, proud of it. And, and oh. like people, it's great. I'm proud of it. It's awesome. I, I love that you also said like, you know, that, that was me at 17. Like that's like, I'm a different guy than I was yeah. at 17 because of your entire journeys and kind of coming face to face with like you befriending yourself and really like getting, getting yourself to, to dry land in many ways. Yeah. And knowing I, I'm so happy that you just said it out loud. So I know it now and I can be on the lookout and other people can like what you want to be the guy that Google, Amazon, LinkedIn, whomever call. And they're like, LinkedIn. this guy. Yeah, this guy got he got it, and he's gonna. He is perfect for this set of humans, and it is so true. And you are, and I just want to thank you from the bottom of my heart. Like your messages, it's not just a message. Your messages and normalizing emotional health, mental health, destigmatizing is so incredible, and what you're doing is so necessary. And uh, and I'm. I'm so I'm proud to be your friend. Thank you. God, you you're an invaluable member to the world and I appreciate you and I love you and I love everything that you do. And it's it means the world to me that you said that I need to like process that. <laughs> I'm just Good. Like, yes. well I recorded it, so you'll I'll send you a sound <laughs> All right. Let's oh, uh, okay. let's stay close. Claude, you're the best. I appreciate you, your existence. I appreciate you too. Can't wait to talk to you again. <laughs> <laughs>